Hello and welcome to a special episode of A Composer's Journey. So I know that so many people are stuck with turning their ideas into a full piece of music, with coming up with an idea and then developing that idea, drawing it out and creating a full finished piece of music from that idea. And of course, it gets more complicated than that because you might have two or three ideas and then you need to be able to transition between these different ideas. How do you transition between your different ideas fluidly and organically? This is actually the whole challenge of composing music, really. The challenge of composing music, in my experience, is coming up with good ideas, developing them, drawing them out into an emotionally or musically satisfying journey, and then finishing what you've started, actually turning that piece of music into a finished piece of music. And I think there are different ways of teaching this. You could teach techniques. You could say, here are 10 different ways of varying a theme. You, you know, you can take your theme and you can turn it upside down. You put it in retrograde or you can play your theme backwards. You could teach it like that, but that doesn't exactly help you to then go and write a full piece of music. That might tell you how to develop your theme in 20 different ways, but it won't tell you how to turn your ideas into a full-fledged piece of music. So I think what it actually comes down to is your writing process, the process you use to write music. I mean the overall creative process from coming up with that initial idea to finishing off your piece of music. So I want to talk about that today. I want to demystify the process of writing a piece of music, which will hopefully save you a lot of time and allow you to finish more music and ideally finish better music. And by the way, just before I start, None of what I say is science. You know, this is art and everyone will have their own way of doing things. But what I'm about to talk about is a process that I and a lot of other people find very fulfilling and very helpful when they're trying to write a full piece of music. So let's go. There are a set of phases that you will generally go through when you're composing. Let's call it the composing framework. Just for the sake of this episode, we'll call it the composing framework. Now, the way I used to work, and the way a lot of people work when they're starting out, is that you just start noodling about on the piano, or you start noodling around on your instrument, and you just start writing immediately. You start writing your music down and you hope that it will lead somewhere. You hope that you'll be, you'll be able to find your way from the beginning to an end. And you might find some way to make a cool introduction. And then you've just got to continuously figure out what will come next, what will come next, what will come next. You just have to have complete faith and hope that you'll find your way from the beginning to an end in some kind of fulfilling way. Uh, you know, you, you just got complete faith that from that idea, the music will just appear. You're basically improvising in slow motion onto the paper. This is the way that a lot of people work. You're improvising in slow motion onto paper. Now, if you actually have a huge amount of experience with improvising music, you know, actual formal training in improvising, then this could work quite well. You know, 
Take someone like Jacob Collier. He's had years of formal training in jazz and improvisation at some of the best schools in the country, if not the world. And then there are organists like David Briggs, who's a phenomenal composer. But David Briggs is someone who can perfectly improvise a complex fugue on the spot. Now, that's not normal. That requires years of dedication to learn. I would love to be able to improvise a full, formally beautiful piece of music, but I can't. Not yet. Maybe in 10 years if I work hard on it, but not yet. So people like me and people probably like you, if you're listening to this, we have to do it a different way. Now, as I was saying, what I used to do was I would just start writing. I would start at the beginning, I would start writing, and I would hope that this piece of music would somehow emerge. And basically, that process rarely ever worked. The structure was generally weak, the ideas were loose, and it would generally be an uncompelling piece of music. I don't know if that's a word, uncompelling. It would not be compelling. It would just be very loose and, and weak and a bit sort of noodly. It would just wander around almost aimlessly. It was also a really difficult process because you'd have no idea where you're going. And I'd wind up tying myself in knots and you'd get stuck on where to go next. Or you'd wind up with a piece of music that was really boring and repetitious or didn't really go anywhere. In fact, I got so fed up of composing this way that I gave up writing music for several years. I stopped writing music because it all felt so difficult and unfulfilling. It was only several years later, when I was in America, I had the fortune to meet with several working composers. And I realised a lot of the more successful composers work in different ways. They have clear phases, clear structures of working, even if they don't realise it themselves. So here it is, the composing framework, if you will. <laughs> you know, I feel a bit silly calling it that, but let's just call it that for the sake of this this podcast episode. And just to remind you, this framework is not science. This is art that we're talking about. But this framework can be a very helpful way for you to think about your process of writing a piece of music. So first in this framework, there's what I call the creative phase. This is a critical first stage. This is where your brain needs to be in a very creative space. You know, a lot of composing music where in the later phases, it's all about problem solving. You need a very logical brain. You need to be in a logical space to figure certain problems out. But not here, not in the creative phase. This is where we need to be in a creative space, because this is where you'll be experimenting with different themes, different ideas, different harmonies, different orchestrations. Or if you're doing a more modern sort of sound design thing, you're experimenting and playing about with all kinds of different sound worlds and seeing what you like, what you're going to have fun with. I know that, let's, let's give you some examples. When John Williams was writing for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he says that he went through 300 iterations before he settled on his main theme. You know, the doo, 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 doo. <laughs> he went through 300 iterations before he settled on that theme. That's crazy. 300 iterations for such a simple theme. But that kind of patient craftsmanship pays off. I mean, you know, come on, it's John Williams. I'm not saying you need to go through 300 iterations of your ideas before you get to the right one, but I am saying that it's clear 
that this process of, of, of exploring all kinds of different themes, that was part of John Williams' creative phase. And, you know, another thing that John Williams does is he typically writes his credits sequence first. You know, when you listen to his credit sequences, they're all of his themes, all of his main ideas. That's his creative phase. By writing his themes first and writing the credit sequence first, that's part of his creative phase. He's coming up with his themes, his style, his harmonic language, his orchestrations. And by doing that first, it makes the later stages of composing to picture easier because he knows what his themes are. He knows what his style is for this film. He knows what kind of orchestrations he's writing with. Or take Hans Zimmer for a more sort of modern sound design-y example. For the last 10 or 15 years, Zimmer has been known for creating extraordinary soundscapes for each of his films. Each of his major films has had a very different sound world. Well, when he's beginning a project, before he commits any music to picture, Zimmer will write a long suite of ideas. That suite of ideas will just give him the chance to explore his themes, explore his soundscapes and so on. So that when he finally comes to writing music to picture, he already knows what he's doing. He's already familiar with the language and the soundscape that he's working in. So the creative phase is really important for coming up with these ideas. And I generally believe that the longer you have for the creative phase, the more creative or original or unique or special your ideas may be. Obviously, there's a limit for that. You don't want to spend two years in the creative phase and never actually write anything concrete. But if you only give yourself one hour for the creative phase, you probably won't have as many special ideas as if you give yourself, say, a full weekend or four days or a week or even two weeks or whatever. You know, this is a kind of phase where you need to give your brain space to expand and just explore And, you know, sometimes your best ideas will come while you're in the shower or while you're eating dinner or while you're on a walk. So you almost want to give yourself a little bit of time to explore your different ideas. As I say, Hans Zimmer or John Williams have weeks for their creative phase. They are given the time to really explore their unique ideas. And, you know, that being said, you can also do the creative phase in a condensed period of time if you need to, if you're in a deadline. And I have methods of doing that Two, if you need to do it on a real deadline, there are methods of going through the creative phase a little more quickly. So next, after the creative phase, comes the planning phase. This is where we start to establish some sense of structure. We are still being creative, but we're now involving a little more of the logical brain too. This is where we want our piece of music to start making sense, to start taking us on a more emotional, coherent journey. We are planning. Imagine, for a sort of metaphor, imagine setting off to write a novel. You want to write a novel, but you have no idea where you're going. You just start writing on page one, and you might write 20, 30, 40 pages, but eventually you will tie yourself up because you have no idea who your characters are, you have no idea where you're going. Even, you know, even with a plan, to be honest, you're probably going to tie yourself up at some point, but at least you'll have some clear idea who your characters are, what your style are, where you're going. And it's kind of the same with music. Planning is where you start figuring out how you're going to take all the ideas you came up with in the creative phase and then draw them out, develop them, and turn them into a genuine structure. And there's maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 very common structures in music. But of course, these structures were also made to be broken. A lot of the most interesting pieces in music base themselves on one of these 10 common structures. 
but then they break the rules and go their own way. So, you know, that's something to think about. Once you know these structures, you can start writing in them and giving your piece some coherence, but you can also learn how to break the rules and make your structures more interesting or more unique to your music. If you look at Beethoven's sketches and Beethoven's plans for his music, it's really fascinating to see just how he draws them. He's not writing a full piece of music yet. They are still sketches, but they're sketches of where his ideas can go, how he'll turn his ideas into a full-flowing, powerfully structured piece of music. So anyway, after you've planned out your music in the planning phase, you go to what we could call the fleshing out stage. Or maybe we should call it the important work stage, because this stage is where you really need to shift into a much more concentrated mode. And you really need to be able to focus and deal with some problem solving as opposed to sheer creativity. At this point, we're actually starting to write properly. We're thinking about good harmony, good counterpoint, making your harmonic lines flow, making sure your counterpoint keeps things interesting, dynamic and exciting. And this is actually a big bulk of the whole process, but it's hopefully enjoyable if you're doing it right. It's sort of like a craftsman or a sculptor chiseling away at a block of marble to turn it into a statue. And this is also where a lot of people give up. This phase does take work. And what often happens is if you're not on a deadline, you look at your music in this important work phase, you look at your music before it's really ready, before it's really fleshed out well, and you think, ah, these ideas aren't really good enough. I don't really like these ideas anymore. I'm going to drop this project and I'm going to move on to a new piece of music. I swear it's always at this stage of the process that that happens. I've felt that way too, very often in fact, and it can be painful. And I can't imagine how much music in the world has been dropped because people don't go far enough into the fleshed out stage. They don't let themselves flesh out their music well enough or for long enough for it to actually become a good piece of music. But I can promise you this, whenever I have forced myself through, whenever I've forced myself to finish, even if it takes a bit longer than I had hoped, it's always rewarding in the end. Because if you patiently work through this phase, you are turning your ideas into something worthwhile. You know, this may seem challenging when the piece is still unfinished, but the closer you get to that finish line, the more exciting your ideas start to sound. And I, I tend to find that in the last quarter or so of the project, it often feels like you're flying. The closer you get, the more these ideas start flying out. And the reason for that, I think, is that by that stage in the project, you know what language you're writing in, you know what you're doing, and you know where you're going. And so everything starts flowing. It feels amazing. But to get to that point, you have to go through the work first. You can't just sit and hope for a wave of inspiration. It pretty much never works like that. You can't just sit around and hope that that, that feeling of flying will just come. It won't. You have to do the work first. You write you push through the difficult problems. And once you get to a certain point, that's when the wave takes over and it feels glorious. It all, it's almost addictive. And that's what will keep you coming back to writing more music. When people who work in the industry say that they, you know, there are a lot of TV composers, film composers who say that they write two to three minutes of finished music a day. 
Well, that's often because they've reached this point where they know what language they're writing in. They've already come up with their ideas. They're now super familiar with the forces, the style they're writing for, the harmonic language and so on. You know, they're already familiar with this. And so they can write quickly. If you've, as a counter example, if let's say you've never written for big band before, you know, a jazzy big band, and then you suddenly decide that you're going to try and write two minutes of finished music for big band in one day. Well, you're probably going to be screwed or you're going to write something which is really bad because you haven't given yourself time to become familiar or comfortable in the big band style. Once you have become familiar or, or comfortable and once you've had a, been a, once you've had a bunch of practice, then two minutes per day starts to become a lot more possible as long as you've actually let yourself go through the previous stages first. And then uh, there's this final phase which is a finishing phase, or maybe even a tidying up phase. This is where you complete the finishing touches of your orchestration, your dynamics. And if you're doing sound designy things, or if you want to mock up your virtual performance on, on the computer, or you want to write something with a lot of sound design, as I say, you'll be tidying that up. You'll be pre-mixing it so it sounds as good as possible. You want to make sure your music is essentially ready for performance. It's like adding that final glisten, that final polish, those final touches on top. And that can involve all kinds of nuances. There's loads of different ways of approaching this phase of the composing process. But those are the common phases, in my experience, for composing a piece of music. The initial creative phase, the planning phase, the fleshing out phase, the flying phase maybe, <laughs> and then the finishing or polishing phase. And there's obviously a lot more to each of the phases than what I've said here. I've just, I've just given you a grand overview of the phases, but you know, there's a lot to be said about really knowing how to develop your theme, knowing how to turn your music into a coherent, emotionally powerful structure, knowing proper principles of harmony, counterpoint, orchestration, and the emotional journey. So this has been a sort of grand overview of the framework, but we haven't gone much into the nitty gritty. But imagine how different your music could be. Your writing process could be if you followed this sort of framework, instead of just writing ideas and hoping that something will work. Do you think you'd enjoy the writing process a lot more if you followed this kind of process from start to finish? Do you think you'd come up with better ideas and finish more music, more better music? I only ask this because I've seen it time and again, and I really do believe that this process works. What impact would it have on your music to follow a framework like this? Do you think you'd write more? Do you think you would grow as a composer? Getting from your initial ideas to a finished composition is absolutely possible. And when you follow this framework, it immediately becomes easier and it will help you to grow as a composer and finish more music. And you can probably tell that I love talking about this. If you're on my email list, you know that I've been sending a weekly email about music or composing, and they've those emails have received so much positive feedback, and I'm really grateful for that. And lately, I've had so many questions about composing that I've decided to offer a more in-depth training on this. So this training is going to be specifically on the process that I've talked about in this podcast episode, the process of writing a piece of music from start to finish. And the idea is that you will compose a new rich piece of music as you go through the training. And the training is going to go deep on each of those steps that I just talked about. 
We'll go deep on the creative phase, on the planning phase, talking about how to develop your themes, turn them into a coherent structure, emotional journey, and how to flesh it out and add that final bit of polish and make it special. And we'll also be talking about principles of harmony and orchestration and counterpoint along the way, the kind of things that will really solidify and enhance your music. So my plan for this initial version of the training is that there will be five live calls, five live calls. And I'm thinking they're going to be on a Thursday around 6 p.m. UK time for five weeks. 6 p.m. UK time is 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, For each call, I will be walking you through one of the phases of the process. I'll be going through the details, the actual nitty gritty, and I'll also be responding to your questions live. And I will be helping you to solve your own problems or challenges, whatever they may be. And if for whatever reason you can't make the live call, then you can send in your questions in advance and you can watch a recording of the lesson later on. And I'm sure as we grow out the training, there'll be additional resources too. As much as you need to get the results, to finish your music, to write better music than you ever have before. Now, there is one important note. You don't have to be very experienced to to go through this training, but I would definitely recommend some level of musicianship. Maybe you play an instrument to a decent level, or you have a decent ability to, to, to read music, use music software like Sibelius or Logic Pro or Cubase or Dorico, whatever, or yeah, MuseScore, whatever it is. Or you can you can, you know, you have good ears. I don't want I, I don't think this course is gonna be for someone who is completely new to music and has absolutely no training or no experience with musicianship. So if you if you are totally new to music, you're untrained ears, or you have very little musical experience, then this might not be for you. As I am hoping to make this a program for people who do have some decent musical experience already. And the other thing to mention is you don't need to have great tech to join. I personally like to write my music on Cubase or Dorico. Those are both softwares for writing music on my computer, but you don't have to do this. You'll still get a bunch out of the training, even if you don't want to write music straight onto the computer. The reason I like writing music on computer is then it's very easy to share the music with each other, even if it's performed, you know, imperfectly by a computer. We can hear what someone else has written, um, which is sometimes favorable. Of course, there are drawbacks to that, too. But, you know, I personally quite like working that way, especially when I'm working with a large group of people. Um, So with all that said, I hope that you might consider joining me. There will be a limited number of spots for this first training program. I'm thinking around 30 people in this version so that I can really serve each person who joins me. But if you can't make this session, don't worry. I will be opening it again in the springtime for a wider audience. It's going to be coming out very, very soon. So watch your inbox on Sunday, this Sunday, that's Sunday 13th of February. I'm going to send an email out at around 6 p.m. UK time on Sunday. That's 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific time, or figure out what time that is in your time zone. And in that email, I will be opening up registration for this program. And I can tell you that this is an opportunity for you to get more of my attention than anyone will ever get in this program, to work in a tightly knit group of 30 or so students. So watch your inbox at around 6 p.m. UK time this Sunday, that's Sunday 13th of February, if you don't want to miss this opportunity. Thank you for listening and see you next time.